This is Two Girls, One Mike, the show that talks about the holes and plot holes of your favorite porn. Welcome to Two Girls, One Mike, the podcast where we redefine the blue balls as constipation. I'm your co-host, Alice Vaughn. And with me, I have my lovely guest co-host because Yvette is still on medical hiatus, Allison McKnight. Allison, how are you doing today? I have a cold. I have spam calls lighting up my cell phone every hour of every day. So things are great. But what's worse? I mean, as long as the spam calls don't give me a cold, I guess the spam calls are better. And you're not taking cocaine for your cold? Uh, Not in the last 30 minutes, no. But in the next 30 minutes, anything can happen. Uh, If I start acting weird, guys, you know why. How will we know? Fair enough. Well, aside from we would see you taking cocaine during this podcast, what's a telltale sign that you're switching? Uh, When you see me juggling cats in our video chat in the background and hear the squealing over the mic of said cats, then you'll know. So that third voice that you guys have heard, we have a guest on this episode. We have Avian Hall of Fame director Eli Cross. And Eli, the one thing that I could only find out about you online is that, and I don't even know if this is true, is that you're five foot eight. Uh, I'm a little over five foot eight, but you know, we, we round everything down in porn. So yes. I wasn't aware of that. I, that was the one thing I wasn't aware was online. So <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah, it must have been Wikipedia because every fucking thing they have is wrong. What's the worst thing that you found out about yourself online that's just not true? Once I read a whole gossip thread when I was running AVN magazine about how I had been hit in a crosswalk and killed that day, which I think was actually just wishful thinking on the part of several company owners. But it actually got back to me that I was dead. Did you think about taking like a break from work and pretending you were dead and then going on a vacation? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just don't think it would have flown. It was during nominations and we were really busy and there was just there was no way. But everyone thought it was very funny until they found out it was not true. I find it's only less funnier if you're older. (laughs) I was younger then. That was a long time ago. (laughs) That was in the 90s. So. (laughs) So. Uh, Eli, do you want to give us a professional background for our listeners who don't know who you are? Um, sure. So Allison is a writer. She's uh, working on wait, a wait, wait, travel wait, 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 wait. note. Oh, you meant mine. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I get confused. I was having pronoun trouble. This is your old age catching yeah, up right that's now. That's it. So the stuff that's relevant to this. I've been in the porn industry for 30 goddamn years. I started running stores in Arizona in 1989, then moved to California and did some movies for Roger Corman at Concord Studios, which were deeply, deeply terrible. And at the same time, ended up running AVN Magazine for five years, which if you don't know AVN, at the time it was kind of like the variety for porn. Now it's kind of like a stack of really badly written advertisements masquerading as a magazine. I feel like that's most magazines nowadays, though. Yeah, Yeah, I guess that is true. I guess that is true. They're just keeping up with the times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't actually have information anywhere anymore. That's not allowed. And directed a shitload of porn movies, did stuff for a lot of companies that are gone now, directed for Wicked, Vivid, Metro, Video Team, Jill Kelly Productions, blah, 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 blah. Did a couple of movies that won a bunch of awards. Did the last big movie that Vivid ever did. And it's kind of ironic because the little bit of adult that I do now, I'm primarily working for a company called Gamma out of Canada that runs a website that they want to sort of be porn Netflix that they call Adult Time. Oh, I've heard of it. That's so cute. That they're Canadians, so they call it Adult Time. And I keep wanting to ask, what are you saying? 
It's it's like it's a porn site for people with Alzheimer's. It's adult time. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is adult time has licensed all of Vivid's old catalog. So I get to go back and revisit these huge, huge movies that I did for Vivid with all of the narrative chopped out and just the sex scenes on screen and think, well, oh, that, no. was, that was your career. Okay, give it up now. <laughs> I did not know they did that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wet work is on there in five chunks with none of the narrative oh, no. included. So <laughs> Why'd they ruin it? I mean, Jesus. Well, I, I, I'm not saying they ruined anything. Because you work there and you would never <laughs> say that. No, because it's porn. Uh, let's Let's keep our standards low. Aim low and hit. That's the motto of porn. It's practical advice as well. Exactly. In 2007, I directed a movie that people at the time said, this is the greatest porn movie ever made, which means to the real world, it is slightly worse than The Beast of Yucca Flats, which is my candidate for the worst real movie ever made. So Beast of Yucca Flats and Upload. Right I've there. actually never even heard of Beast of Yucca Flats. Oh, you do not watch it's enough amazing. MST3K. All right. I don't think that one's the worst movie I've ever seen. You're not remembering which one Beast of Yucca Flats is. I am. I've seen it. It's right up there with uh, Manos, Hands of Fate. No, no, no. Manos is infinitely better than Beast of Yucca Flats. Uh, if I were to tune into adult time, instead of getting actual directed scenes and lines and everything like that, that's completely cut out? No, you get a lot of, uh, all the new stuff is complete. So there's no movies done for (sighs) porn anymore. It's just scenes. So what we shoot now, you get the complete scene. But if you go back and you look at some of the vivid catalog, like if you want to say, let's say, I really want to see Jenna Jameson's Devil and Miss Jones, which I did not direct, but I shot. That movie, when it was released, was three and a half hours long because it was like nine sex scenes and then close to a hundred page script. That's a really long porn film. And I think the longest one I saw was four hours, but three, I mean, the standard one, I think it's like 90 minutes, two hours. What did you watch that was four hours? (laughs) Oh, I've got that beat. I so got that beat. Okay. What's the one that beats that? My movie upload, which had 12 sex scenes was four hours and 50 minutes long. Oh my Jeez. God. But you know, we, nobody was sitting down to watch the whole movie straight through. Yeah, but I would. It was a world of physical media. So they would watch it. They would get to the sex scene that they liked. They would jerk off. They would stop. They would come back three days later. They, If they wanted to watch the movie, they'd pick up where they left off. It was it was a world of media, not of physical media, not streaming. So everything is in scenes now. So, But if you want to go watch that version of Devil and Miss Jones on adult time, what you're going to get is – the sex scenes from the movie with a little bit of wraparound narrative around each scene, but you don't get the complete movie. You can't like start at clip one and watch the whole movie. They've cut it down. So because nobody cares. I care. Alice cares. I mean, our tagline is we review porn for the holes and the plot holes. So do you have memberships to adult time? Not yet. No, don't. Okay. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the people who do, don't care. Oh, <laughs> damn it. So if you want just the scenes, then we're suggesting adult time. If Yes, very much so. Uh, okay, so why 30 years? I mean, how did you get into directing porn? Well, it was a way to make money. <laughs> yeah, normally is. I mean, I started out, I made my first movie when I was nine years old. Was that the Boston Clam Chowder? No, no, no. Boston Clam Chowder was in junior high. Oh, oh, my mistake. No, what no. am I missing about Boston Clam Chowder? Okay, you brought it up. You got to explain it. I don't remember enough. I just remember watching 
Uh, disclaimer to our listener, not even disclaimer. I've known Eli for since when we met, the end of 2009. Sure. I mean, the entire purpose of you coming on the show is just so Allison could shit on you for about 90 minutes. That's no different than when we talk on the phone. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's normal. I'm used that's to that. It's totally normal. It's all right. Was it Boston Clam Chowder? Boston The sequel. Boston Clam Chowder, the sequel. I don't remember what it was. I just remember video of you and your friends running around in the Arizona desert. I don't think there was any clam chowder. No, that was the whole point. So What? Okay. So the first movie I ever <laughs> I'm sorry. Now that, what? You, now, now that you've conflated Boston Clam Chowder. Yes. Part two. No, no, no. No the chowder. Sequel. The sequel. No, the sequel. So, okay. No part okay. one. So now that you've conflated these two things, I fucking have to explain them. You should just cut this whole part of the show out because it's not going to be very interesting. So my first movie that I ever made was nine when I was nine years old was a stop action eight millimeter film with action figures. What was it called? Was it a porn? It didn't have a name. No, 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 no. It was it was Micronauts fighting Star Wars action figures. It was, you know, Arizona was a dangerous place to be a toy in 1989, you know, whatever, <laughs> 1979, excuse me. My friends and I in junior high decided we wanted to make Something Monty Python style narrative. So in honor of Monty Python's Flying Circus, which was the name that they finally settled on because it wasn't a circus, no one flew, and they had never met anyone named Monty Python. We named it based on things that never happened in the movie. So it was called Boston Clam Chowder, the sequel, because it wasn't a sequel. It wasn't set in Boston and had nothing to do with Clam Chowder. And it's basically a very silly parody of fantasy movies and it's 27 minutes long and it was shot on super eight and it took like a year to finish. So none of which has anything to do with anything. And this is all Allison's fault. But you had hair in that. I had a lot of hair and I couldn't recognize you. Yeah. And that's why I brought this all up. Except that I was wearing a bald cap in the movie. If you remember the whole time, I thought you played a couple different characters. I did. I was the bad guy with my hair, but I was also slim, the samurai with the bald cap. Okay. Anyway, none of that has anything to do with anything. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Alice. It's I was okay. running a comic book warehouse in Phoenix, Arizona. The comic book warehouse was going to be closing. Started looking for another job. Saw an ad for a warehouse manager at Castle Boutique, which was at the time one store, but a big store in Arizona. Went in, got the job in three months. I was actually the general manager of Castle Boutique because competence is a curse. And normally is. They just try yeah. giving you more responsibilities. Uh, yeah, no pay. Just more shit to do. I know. Managed the store through their expansion from one store to four stores. Then in 1993, when my friends and I decided we were going to move to L.A., I got in touch with a magazine company in L.A. whose product I had been buying at the castle. Asked the guy if he needed people working for him. He says, well... I'm not thrilled with the guy I have writing these magazines or you're a writer. And I said, I am no writer, but I'm better than the guy you've got. Ended up running those magazines, moved from there to AVN. At the same time, I was still pursuing mainstream film work in California. So over that two-year period, that was when I directed movies for Roger Corman until he closed Concord Studios. At that point, I was running AVN magazine. That was way more than a full-time job. When I got burnt out and decided to leave AVN, I contacted some of the people from some of the companies who hated me, ended up directing movies for them while I was still pursuing mainstream stuff. So it was never supposed to be job A. It's just 
been kind of consistently there. There have certainly been times in the past 10 years where there was just simply no adult work. And that's because you only need two qualifications to be a porn director. You need a camera and you need a thumb. And if you have those two things, you are a porn director. If you're listening and you don't have a thumb. You're shit out of luck. I'm sorry. Get somebody else to push the button because that's all the thumb is for. Or get like a little attachable fake thumb. As long as you can push the record button, you're good. Over 30 years, you've directed a shit ton of porn. Yes. I've always wondered how many cameras are ever needed on a porn set? None. (laughs) None. What? None. You can't use the word need with anything involving porn. You don't need any of it. Fair. Everything that we're doing, and I love having this argument because you get somebody, this person will remain nameless, but right now there's a new, every year there's a new porn auteur. There's a guy or a girl who comes into porn and starts getting all of the press and starts speaking about things as if they are doing something for the first time. They are the first one who has ever done X, Y, Z in porn. And it's because there's no institutional memory in the business. There's not many old farts like me left who have been around long enough to actually remember things that were done. But if the conversation ever comes up, I like taking these people aside and saying, um, actually that thing that you think that you invented, they did in 1914 and it was silent film. They've been doing this for a long fucking time. The second movie ever made was two girls having sex. Really? Yes. The first movie ever made was a railroad leaving a train station. The second movie ever made was two girls having sex. The third movie ever made was a man trying to outrun a a thoroughbred horse. So Was the fourth movie finally a cat film? I don't know what the fourth movie was, but porn and film have been inseparable. It really was basically the first thing people thought to do. Like, we have a camera that makes moving images. We should put naked people in it. You know, the first zoetrope is a naked man posing. It's not ostensibly porn. It's supposed to be a life study. But, you know, I've seen exactly the same thing in a lot of gay porn that's still done today. The idea that anybody's done anything first just hasn't happened. Everything you've seen in every porn movie has been done by somebody several hundred times before. So we don't need any cameras. Just go find the old, the last version of it because somebody's done it. Just figure out what that thing is. They may not have done it with those exact people, but you could find it with people who look kind of like those people. They may have more hair, but just go get them. Or less. That's, or less, depending on when it was. So no cameras. Um, <laughs> I was just curious how many would be on, on a standard set, but okay. Anything... <laughs> Destroy porn, just kill it all. Uh, that's why right. I'm here. Did Allison okay. not warn you? No, I didn't, actually. <laughs> it's I've okay. Been sick I'm and having busy. a great time. If you were not expecting the deconstructionist history of porn, then I am here to disappoint you. But I'm here for it. <laughs> I just didn't give you an advance notice because I've been busy and sick. Okay. See, I knew it was going to be your excuse for everything. It was yeah. going to be one or the other. It's either the deconstruction of porn or you just came with the puns and said you want to dictate every scene or uh, put stage direction like and smash. And smash. Yes. I have seen and been involved in everything from one camera to, okay, I wasn't involved in this. I just pointed and laughed. Seven cameras. Why? Um, um, (laughs) Because they were idiots. So... So much equipment. No, they were DSLRs. It really wasn't a lot of equipment. It was when everybody was shooting on the 5D. So the company that destroyed modern pornography is Manwin, which is 
They've now rebranded themselves as MindGeek, but fuck that. They only changed their names to MindGeek because they're trying to avoid a Department of Justice investigation into the fact that they're money launderers. Manwin is Pornhub and Brazzers and all of the all of the companies out of Canada that are not Gamma. You know, between Gamma yeah. and Manwin, 75% of the porn industry is owned by two companies in Canada. 50% of it or more, probably 55% of it is all Manwin. It's tons and tons of companies. So Pornhub, Manwin, MindGeek, whatever you want to call them, when they first bought Digital Playground, which was the company that did big things like pirates and they did the Jesse Jane boxing movie. I'm a boxer. And then they did the Jesse Jane fighter pilot movie. I'm a fighter pilot. Just spot on impression. Just to be clear. Can you do the firefighter one? Uh, That was Jenna. Oh man. Jenna was the firefighter. Can you do the voice anyhow? Jenna pretty much had a normal voice at that point. She had a ridiculous laugh, but she had a normal voice. Did her voice change? It's gotten more nasal now over the years. I don't know if it's because it's been completely rebuilt because it's not the same nose anymore. Uh, Everything here is aftermarket now. So when they first bought Digital Playground, they had no idea how to actually run production. And they knew that Digital Playground was supposed to be making big movies. So to them, that meant a lot of coverage. So they ran an ad in Craigslist to get camera guys. When was this? 2011, 2010, 2009. That's really recent. Yeah, it's when Shylar was doing production for them. Um, no, so it was after that. It was after, it was probably 2012, 2013. So they hired a bunch of guys from Craigslist who all came in with their 5Ds. So they would shoot a scene like two people sitting in a car talking. And they would just line up seven motherfuckers in a ring of fire around this car, half of whom are looking at the other guy on the other side because none of them understood how you actually film something. And then they would all just shoot. So that's seven cameras. I would say the average is one or two. Was Shylar on set for that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What did he have to say about that? Shylar said the same thing he said about everything is not my job, you know, (laughs) and wandered away. I think the only other time I've heard of so many cameras is I know on like the second episode we ever recorded with Ella Darling, she was talking about trying to do 3D VR pornography before it actually came into the market. So she would strap like seven GoPros together and hope none of them fail. Yeah, but that's a very different story. um, Exactly. Because they're doing frame stitching and stuff. This, This was just a shitload of bad coverage. I shoot camera for Girls Way a lot now, which is a girl girl site. And the aesthetic that they like for that, we shoot three cameras. We have one that is what we call the big, wide, and dumb, you know, basically just get everything in the frame from a mile away so that the editors always have a safety to go back to. And then one camera shoots faces and one camera shoots crotches. And that's basically what they got to. But all cameras at some point will shoot the underpinning of the balls, the taint. Well, we don't have any because we're shooting girl girl. Oh, shit. Yeah, my brain. So we have no taint. But yes, yes. You, I mean, we do have taint. We just don't have man taint. If you go back to late 90s, early 2000s porn, there is an awful lot of, especially if you ever are unfortunate enough to see the softcore versions of movies, there's a lot of what we used to call at AVN, Harry Bobbin man ass, because that's the shot. You let the guy man blanket on top of the girl and you can't see anything, but 
the back of his balls and his hairy ass. What the hell is a man blanket? (laughs) Man blanket is when you get a guy who's bad male talent and he climbs on top of a girl who weighs 100 pounds less than he does and just kind of goes sprawl like she's mine now. It's like you're not even there. Like, hey, hey, jackass, can you open up? Oh, yeah. And then they have to, you know, get over on one hip or something. It's like you have to actually fuck for the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, Do you ever have to get insurance on cameras just in case there's a a squirter? I don't know. How does that work? (laughs) Okay. So back in the day when we had girls who really squirted, that really wasn't an issue because most girls who really squirt don't projectile squirt. It's more like the sprinkler effect where it's sort of, you know, there was one girl who kind of was like a fire hose, but you knew it was coming. And so you would just get out of the line of fire. Nowadays, the sad fact is most girls can't be bothered to try and squirt. They just pee. You know, you never know what you're going to get with that. But if they hit a camera, the cameras are all pretty. I've only ever heard a story of one camera getting ruined by a girl named Cytheria. Is this guy, William H., and Cytheria used to think it was very funny because Cytheria was just peeing as hard and as far oh, no. as she possibly could. And so Cytheria <laughs> thought it was pretty funny. to She would do everything she could to hit the camera. And she could pee five or six feet in a stream. No problem. She's my hero today. Hero of the day. So Cytheria would angle her hips. She would chase you across the room as she was peeing at you. And one day, this guy, William H., was shooting Cytheria, and she blasted his Panasonic and killed his Panasonic. But other than that, that doesn't happen. Here's another question I actually I was curious about. I asked some of our Patreons as well as some of our fans on Facebook. And one of the questions that kept coming up, no pun intended, is that uh, do you ever have to reshoot if someone you know goes limp or comes early or there are other gear issues? In 30 years, I have reshot two scenes. Wow. One was for a huge movie. We honestly just weren't happy with the scene we got. The other time was relatively recently. And it was because I formatted a goddamn card that had a scene on it that we needed, but that was for a custom video for my wife, Casey. So we had to bring back in the male talent and have him show up back at this hotel where we were shooting and shoot that scene over again. Those are the only two times that I've ever done that. Otherwise you just make it work. Fair enough. You figure out a way because there's no money to fix or reshoot anything. Okay. So I want to know in your 30 years of filming, tell me some of the best bloopers. We are here for the bloopers. We are so here for the bloopers. And why is no one named a blooper? So porn is kind of like the music industry in that there are all kinds of people in porn. And there are a lot of people in the music industry who are very, very bright. And there are a lot of people in the music industry who are drug adult idiots who really couldn't exist anywhere else on the planet. So we've never had blooper. We did have a girl who named herself too hot for porn. And it was the number two and hot and the number four and porn. And (laughs) the biggest problem with that stage name is she really, really, really wasn't. She was around for about an hour. She had a lot of confidence in herself. She did. She did. And and wherever she's living now, I'm sure she still has that. Too hot for the PTA. Yeah, right. Uh... Define your terms for blooper. 
Like when someone was having a scene and they slipped and fell off the bed. Oh, okay. You know, a Jackie Chan reel at the end of a movie, all the different ways he injures himself. Okay. Ours all involve bodily fluids. You realize that, Shoot me with some of those. Not literally. Okay. That came out wrong. She doesn't have a camera. She doesn't have a camera. not have a camera. This is a famous story in adult, but it was actually a company called Metro. And so I was shooting for Metro and Metro wanted specifically to shoot this Hungarian girl who it was her first movie in the U S and we're doing an anal scene with her and a dude named Alec Metro Metro wanted something that was big and ridiculous and expensive looking. And I said, okay, fine, pick a location because I don't even want to be involved in where we're going to shoot. And so they chose this McMansion that has all white furniture and all white shag carpet and all white walls. And I walked in and thought, this is the worst idea ever, but this wasn't my choice. So fine. And all Eastern European talent with very few exceptions, and it's still this way today, are fascinating machines. And they are machines. They're not quite human beings. So the the thing that's well known about like girls from Hungary, girls from Russia, girls from whatever, there's a switch right here that disconnects everything here from everything here. Where you're pointing is a neck. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a switch in their neck that they can just go click mentally and flip that switch off. And suddenly they feel nothing from the neck down. So I've had moments where I'm shooting a DP with a girl from Russia and they're in the middle of the scene. She's getting hammered. And I need to ask everybody to get back on the couch because they're kind of fucking their way off the couch. And what happens is you'll say, Hey guys, move back on the couch. And the girl will go, ha, ha, ha. What? <laughs> um, could you move back on the couch? Yes. is no problem. Is here good? Uh, yes, here's very good. Okay. So what I, uh, we go back to sex. Well, they're still in you. Yes, I know. But we continue. Yes. You want me to suck the cock? No, no, no. It's fine. Just keep keep going with the DP. Okay, fine. Good. Uh, we're ready? Yes. Action. Ha, 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 ha. I mean, it is, it is like flipping a switch on and off. Communism has made us really efficient. It is fascinating. So I'm shooting this Hungarian girl and she is exactly like that, you know. But <laughs> what we didn't understand, and I know this now having been to Europe several times, they don't have butt cleaning technology the way that we have it here. So like you can't go into a store anywhere in Europe and just buy an enema. Wait, what? No, they don't sell them. They don't have them. They, they only have douches. And then if you want an enema, you have to get like the whole bag arrangement thing. This is still to this day. Like you go to London, you go to Boots Pharmacy in London and you ask them for an enema and they have no idea what you are talking about. So do they have to resort to turkey basters? I'm really confused. I think what they do is they'll have a bag that they do like the the night before, the morning of or whatever. This girl had no idea. So this was the classic case of we hand her an enema bottle and didn't occur to any of us that she had never seen them before because she's done a ton of anal in scenes in Europe. We think, oh, this will be fine. So we hand her the enema bottle. And with new girls here, it's pretty standard that somebody will take the girl aside and explain, okay, so thing one, don't use the crap that's in the bottle. Just pour that all away, rinse it out. You're just going to use water. Do one, do maybe two rinses. You're all good to go. Okay, fine. 
Um, did you take an emodium? Yeah, I took one this morning. Okay, great. You're, you're good. This girl, none of that. So we hand her the enema. She says, okay, good. Thank you. She goes away. Comes back. And, and usually a girl goes off to clean her butt and it's somewhere between 15, 20 minutes to there's certain girls that you just know. It's like, okay, book an hour of downtime and then she's going to be back. Like, and then she's going to be ready to go. Whatever. Everybody's got their process. So this girl goes away and comes back almost immediately. I'm like, you're, you're good? Yes, it's good. It's good. Okay. You ready to go? Yes, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Okay, fine. How do you want to, how do you want to start? She says, um, I think uh, we do on the couch. Yeah, you're, we're going to fuck on the couch. And, and Alec Metra, who was not great male talent, but he was fine. He was a good plug him into a scene and he'll do whatever kind of guy. And the girls liked him because he was fairly attractive and he was quiet. Like, so he's just standing there kind of waiting. Like, uh, we do on the couch. Yes. Maybe we start in pile driver. I'm like, you're European. Okay, great. Nobody here ever wants to do pile driver, much less start pile driver. Sure. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> So she gets in pile driver down in front of the couch. She's, you know, she's on the floor. She's got her ass up against the cushions of the couch. He's standing over her. He lubes up. He slides his dick in. Stroke, 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 stroke. He kind of gets this look on his face. He says, hang on a second. He pulls out shit geyser. Oh, no. All over the white couch and white carpet. Oh, no. Because she didn't understand that you then expel the enema oh no no i just thought oh. she just filled uh. up she just filled up and came out oh, holy shit yes yes oh, so much of that yes a lot of it i can't believe you never told me that story before i probably have you wouldn't remember no no <laughs> the one story i remember you telling well many stories was the girls that were in your old warehouse in downtown LA, it was a girl girl scene and one of them peed and the other one sucked up the pee and started spitting it in the other one's eye. Oh yeah. But that was part of the, they knew they were doing that. Yeah. What? Yeah. That was uh, Lorelai Lee and um, Annetta Schwartz. For those that want to find the scene. Why don't you tell that while I try to mentally digest the shit geyser? That's not a blooper. That was just it's Annetta's, a, oh, okay. that was Annetta's thing. She thought that was, she still does that for her website in Germany now. Spitting urine into other people's eyes? No, into her <laughs> eyes. She'll like people hold open her, her eye urine? for people to pee in her eye. Other people to pee in her eye. Of yes. course it's Germany. Of course it's, exactly, yes. Oh. Yes, Annetta was great. She was a pig. Well, it seems like shit geyser is, is definitely a line. I am um, still tingling from that, and it's not a good tingle. <laughs> and all I did really is, I just, I looked at the PM and said, I'm not cleaning that up. And I walked away. <laughs> like, fuck, I'm not, I'm not what cleaning that up. What did the girl say? What did she do? Was she she said, oh, oh, is bad? Like, you know, she <laughs> Oh, no. That's not special effects. That's not supposed to happen. Like, we go clean up? I'm like, oh, yeah, we go clean up. I think we're doing the rest of the scene somewhere outside. Because nobody wants to be in this room anymore. <laughs> oh, that hurts. I remember, I still remember Vince, the PA, just kind of going, fuck you all. Like, <laughs> I don't get paid Did enough. he have to clean it up? But yes. So PAs are for. Well, maybe a house cleaning service. No cleaning crew. Oh, God. The PA is a cleaning crew. Metro had to pay to steam the carpet and the couch. Did Metro learn their lesson? I don't know. Probably not. They're idiots. 
So all my blooper stories are like that. They're all horrifying. I would take another one. I don't know how Alice feels about this, but that was fantastic. I I want more. Okay, fine. So this one's really inappropriate too. This one's really like socially inappropriate now on top of everything else. So that's great. That's fine. So perfect. This is a perfect podcast for it. This is not NPR. No talent or at fault in this one. So I can use their names. So- so there's this guy who used to be in the business named Anthony Hardwood. He also, interestingly, was Hungarian. He was like this bodybuilder type, he chiseled body. And we used to call him, we nicknamed him Carl Hungus because we just thought he was the most ridiculous thing. But Anthony, was, he was a very nice guy. Again, you know, he was just a workhorse dude. He was, he was just like the Hungarian girls. He's like, we go, we fuck, he's good. <laughs> we invade Poland, he's excellent. I mean, they were all really good at doing that. Yeah. All of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Actually, then, is there someone who has been unsuccessful with invading Poland? As a Polish person, I need to know. <laughs> uh, well, even Lech Walesa succeeded. So, yeah, no, yeah. yeah, everybody, everybody, it's good. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of like Sicily, just keeps trading hands. That's why they never put Poland in risk. They're just like it's just not kind. It's not in risk. No, risk just kind of has European blobs Ugh. that represent areas. It's been so long. So Anthony Hardwood and the woman was Nikki Hunter. Uh, Another anal scene for Hustler. I don't remember if I was directing this or my ex was directing this, but I was shooting camera with a friend of mine named Todd. Anthony being Hungarian still has his foreskin. And Nikki at the time had a VCL. She had a vertical clit hood piercing. Oh, no. So she's in reverse cowgirl. They're doing anal. She's riding his dick. Somehow, and I still can't figure it out. It's like that moment in There's Something About Mary where the guy stands there and says, how did you get the potatoes above the meat? Like, you know, I don't quite know how they did it. But at some point, she goes to move up off of him and her clit piercing catches his foreskin. Oh, no. And tears it. (gasps) And he's bleeding. Did you guys at least rush a rabbi into the room? We should have. What we needed was to rush in a moil. Like, and it's all over. And so Todd and I, of course, both being men, go, ooh, and we're we're done. Like it's, <laughs> that's the scene. And Anthony goes, No, 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 he's fine. I can finish. I can finish. He's fine. Oh man. Like, dude, you're 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 bleeding kind of bad. He goes, No, we'll we'll it will stop. It will stop. Which I mean it's like it's capillaries. Yeah, they bleed like hell for a minute and then they stop. It wasn't a, it wasn't like a deep cut, but it's still a cut on his dick. He says, just give me a minute. Give me some ice. I'm like, okay, fine. So he ices his dick. Nikki's sitting there apologizing. It's like, you didn't do anything. Are you okay? Did it tear you? She says, no, I didn't even feel it. I'm like, okay, rub it in. Then he decides he wants to finish. I'm like, okay, fine. We needed one more position. So we went into doggy and didn't shoot a transition. He, he gets hard, no problem. And he's in there and, um, everything's fine. He, we get like, you know, another three or four minutes of footage. It's like, okay, we're good. We can, you know, I assume you want to fake the pop because no, 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 I can pop. Like, okay. All right. This what? isn't the Olympics motherfucker. Like we can fake it. It's all good. We'll do a fake internal. Nikki's going to be fine with that. We'll fake a cream pie. It's all good. He said, no, I can pop. Like, okay. On you. So in most scenes, I'm sure you know this, and most most of the time, guys don't fuck to orgasm. So we stop and they jerk off, yeah. which is how you know you end up being intimately acquainted with the masturbatory habits of way more men than you ever wanted to know. Everybody's like got their weird little thing. 
so we stop and he's in position and he's, he's jerking and jerking and jerking. And Todd and I are standing back ready to roll when he says, okay, I'm ready. And we're just watching his dick get redder and redder and redder. Oh no. And it's like turning into hamburger, you know? And we're like, you know, we're kind of sitting there whispering to each other. It's like, okay, this one's got to be bad. Like all the guys who are performers, it's one of the reasons why I'm not is because I'm not, I'm not geared this way, but the guys who are performers, they have their little place that they go in their head with whatever the loop is that they're playing to themselves. That is their 15 seconds of, of weirdness that gets them off. Todd says to me, he's like, how far down do you think he's going trying to get there now? Like how deep is it? It's like, it's, you know, and we're, so, we're sitting there joking with each other. We're going back and forth. It's like two nuns fucking. Now it's a priest fucking a nun. Now it's a priest fucking a nun in the ass. Now it's a priest and a German shepherd fucking a nun in the ass. Now it's a priest and a German shepherd fucking a nun and an eight-year-old altar boy in the ass. Like, how far down is he going? Finally, he gives up. His hand is covered in blood. His dick is bright red. He's like, fuck these. We faked it up. Like, okay, fine. That was a happy day in porn. But we got the scene. We still didn't reshoot. You finish, no matter what. How do you fake an internal? Personally or... Oh, both. Do both. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're also asking, how do you fake that you care internally too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've never <laughs> been any good at that part. <laughs> I, I can't fake it externally either. You get whatever your preferred mixture of crap is. So there are many different mixtures. Some people used to swear by like pina colada mix, but pina colada no. mix is... It's too thin and too watery. Isn't it sugary? Won't that give a yeast infection? Well, it's not great. Anything that you're going to use for an internal isn't great for that. This was in the days before there were companies that made cum lube, which is really kind of, it's good for internals, except that it's a little too ropey and snotty. It doesn't really look like the real thing. Yeah. So if you have the time and if you have access to a kitchen, there's a mixture of basically just flour and water that looks great, but it doesn't stay. It doesn't age well. So you have to be able to like mix it up, squirt it in and use it because otherwise it's just going to turn into like biscuit dough. About how long do you have before that happens? Like half an hour or something. Okay. Yeah. That's something. I would assume that at some point someone finds like the right combination. So it's almost like sharing grandma's recipe. No, everybody has their own. No? It, it's almost like urban mythology. Everybody has their own version of Oh, no, this is the perfect fake cum. I mean, for stills and for anything where it's going to be where we can apply it carefully, the universal is there's one brand of Cetaphil that just yeah. looks exactly like cum. It's Cetaphil. I think it's face and hand cleanser. It, there's one particular one that you have to buy that's just it's a bottle full of cum. I remember being on set at the old warehouse one day and someone was doing a facial with a partial mouth and whoever it was was just pumping Cetaphil into her mouth. And that has stayed with me. Just the imagination. We do it all the time. Oh. That taste, the taste. Ben Hoffman, who is a photographer that Allison and I both know, Ben Hoffman does a thing with the girls when he would have to shoot them with a facial with Cetaphil, where he would say, it doesn't taste great. It's just like soap. And he'd squirt it in his old mouth and go, ah, you know, it doesn't kill you. Don't swallow it. It's just not great. And then he'd spit it out into his hand. Ugh. This reminds me when I first started learning about behind the scenes of porn, I met a porn actress who she did scenes uh, for a website that specialized in futanaria. Mm -hmm. um, what is that? So 
that is where you have a beautiful woman with a massive penis, but it's a fake penis. It's like we're talking about 12, 16 inch long dongs. And she was very proud. She had the biggest dong on the site. Um, and they, they squirt these massive, ridiculous loads of cum. Yes. What are they, yeah. what are they made of? Do they look human or are they like no, dragon dicks? No, no, or? No, no. They look vaguely human, but they're not, none of them are well made. Oh, no, definitely not yeah. well made. So you could tell it's fake. But my point is that she showed up to set to film a scene one day, and she wasn't feeling well. She was actually sick like you, Allison. Oh, yay. Yay. Um, <laughs> and when she came in, uh, the director was making a cum on the stovetop, you know, like mom made. And she would put in a couple drops of lavender so, you know, it would smell nice, make her feel better. She was telling me that the way they got the squirt scenes done, and this is the part that just, I mean, for me, sealed the deal of me, you know, being being within this industry or industry adjacent, is that they used a super soaker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds great. There was a company that used to shoot this stuff upstairs at the old warehouse. And they'd oh, use a awesome. super soaker? Yes, they absolutely oh, would. Man. What's the best super soaker to use on com? If you know, email us, info at twogirlsonmic.com. We want to know. I like the look on Eli's face when you asked that. He was just like, <laughs> do I look like a nine-year-old boy? No. I want to know, uh, what is your opinion, Eli, on the golden years of porn? When was that and what happened? And why is it right now? <laughs> it, what, it's definitely not right now. No, it's definitely not. What people call the golden age of porn, it was only golden in the sense of the aspirations and delusions of the people who were doing it at the time. So you go back and you look at the stuff like, I mean, first of all, Deep Throat is an undeniably terrible movie. It's horrible. What year was Deep Throat? 71. It's terrible. Debbie Does Dallas is worse. It's um, so rapey. Uh, that's fine. I don't care about that. It's just terrible. It's just well, a yeah, pile of shit. You know, irreversible is rapey, but it's also some of the hottest porn you can get. Um, but no, 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 no. I would say that comparing nowadays, you know, that type of fantasy porn versus Debbie Does Dallas, holy crap, that's a horrible movie. Yes. I mean, but it's also just terribly done. Like, it's Fair. almost unwatchably bad. No one. And I mean, I did, I did a documentary about this for Showtime, and I can't tell you why Debbie Does Dallas is as popular as it is. No it's one understands. It was it was a meme before there were memes. It just happened to be that thing that hit in the societal conscious that became almost a mythology unto itself. I have to believe that most people who think Debbie Does Dallas is this amazing movie never saw it. And then there were things like, you know, opening a Misty Beethoven is not bad. But those people honestly thought that they were on the cusp of a period where porn was going to become an acceptable alternative to Hollywood. And who knows, had video not become the mainstay of the industry in the way that it did and totally obliterated what little concern for quality there was in porn, maybe that would have happened in the early 80s. I don't think so. As I've always said, and, and I mean, Allison has heard me say this, there was a, a story that Frank Rich did in New York Times Magazine about the industry that I was quoted in as saying that, you know, the problem is that porn is a purpose-driven medium. It is a tool. It is a masturbatory tool. 
It is no different than a hammer. And I may go into Home Depot and be attracted to the $35 chrome vanadium S-wing hammer that has the lacquered hickory handle. But if I get home and I can't drive nails with the fucking thing, it's no good to me. So thing one is porn has to be able to drive nails. It doesn't matter how pretty it is. It doesn't matter what the story is. Thing one, somebody's got to be able to jerk off to it. And if it's not doing that, it's not doing its job. So I think the thing that was lost on the people from the golden age about porn becoming the real world is that those two things don't serve the same purpose. Theoretically, movies in the real world are about telling a story first and foremost. It would be the equivalent of expecting that someday movies about football are going to replace football. It's not going to happen. They don't do the same job. That's a good comparison. Nobody who watches football wants to see a story. They want to see pituitary retards kick the crap out of each other. And people who watch a movie about football want to see a story that makes them cry about themselves because they're not 13 years old anymore. That's what those things do. And that's the problem with porn is porn is not art. It is commerce. Mm. It is making money. We're making widgets. Thing one somehow, some way, while giving it away for free, make money. And in the golden age, they managed to delude themselves and lose sight of that for a little while. And I think that's why it became the golden age is it was a time of madness that everybody became convinced that they were making movies. Now they were making them largely for mob guys who all they cared about was how much was their, how much money were they going to make back and how quickly were they going to make it but they were willing to spend a little bit of money to let these guys who all had aspirations of art go make movies in quotes. And that was what made it the golden age. Hmm. So obviously porn has been in the past, I know used for money laundering for the mob, which is why, you know, when you even look at box office numbers for like deep throat, it's absurd. And it doesn't make any sense because it was used predominantly for that. So here's my question. I know that you mentioned that MindGeek does a fair amount of money laundering. How? Well, okay. So let me say this. That is my opinion. That's a speculation. So that you guys don't get, yeah. So that you don't get yes. in trouble. This is all speculation, FBI officers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, no. If you're at the FBI, then please get in with the Department of Justice and Interpol and please go back and investigate MindGeek again. A better example that is a company that is no longer in business and it was the biggest open secret in adult that this company that was called Bluebird was 100% absolutely laundering money. That was all they existed for. The guy that owned the company was a tax attorney out of London. He was an Indian national who also had English citizenship. He was a tax attorney for several large multinational Indian corporations. Opened a production company here where the tax laws for corporations are much more lenient than they are anywhere in Europe and started shooting ridiculous porn scenes. And I mean, they would shoot these crazy expensive scenes that had 10 or 12 people in them. And they were shooting 15 scenes a week, ostensibly for a website that they did put up. It was bluebird.com. When was this? Early 2000s to probably mid to late 2000s. And you could go to bluebird.com and you could watch trailers 
for scenes and watch trailers for movies. And theoretically, if you signed up for a membership to Bluebird.com, you would get access to that stuff. But if you actually jumped through all the hoops of trying to sign up for the membership, you would discover that there was no billing connected. So you couldn't get a membership to the site. So they never made any money. You can money launder in any business that does not make a profit. You just have to lose money. As long as you're losing money, you get to write off your losses. And the motion picture business is perfect because there's so many line items that are so complicated and so fungible. So the way you launder money is you make a movie that costs $100,000. That's your real budget. And you set that budget aside and you think to your, and then this is what you actually spent to make that movie. But you report on paper that it's 400 and you- That the movie costs a million dollars. Okay. So then you've spent 10% of a million dollars to get 900,000 in cash out that your company is then going to pay back to somebody who did consulting for the movie or location services for the movie or was an executive producer on the movie or did marketing or any one of a hundred other jobs that can all be the same corporation that you pay a salary back so that 90% of that movie got paid to this company and it's all completely legal now and completely legitimate. The movie only costs this much. And as long as that movie never shows a profit, it doesn't matter because the movie is a write-off. So here's the question. Is it easier to uh, launder money today, especially with cryptocurrency and considering that a lot of productions don't make money? If cryptocurrency were an actual, real, usable thing, yes. But the fact is that this is why American government and European government and the American financial institutions and European financial institutions and central banks have gone to such lengths to make sure that cryptocurrency is still a massive hassle to actually use and very expensive. So Mm. you spend about 16 cents out of every dollar on cryptocurrency just on the privilege of using cryptocurrency. That's never going to become the standard when it's like that. People just won't do that. I won't do it. I only bring it up because I know that a lot of major payment processors, you know, obviously have issues with pornography. Sure. Yeah, they absolutely do. Like Visa, interestingly, has put themselves in the position of being the biggest porn censor in the United States. So largely most websites that say we can't shoot X, Y, Z, we can't do this, we can't do that. It's not because they think they're going to get charged with obscenity. It's because Visa will dump them if they start having this content appear on their site. So Visa has put themselves in the position of being the morality police, simply because if you don't have Visa, people aren't going to pay for your site enough to keep your site up. But yeah, cryptocurrency, if they ever allowed it to actually become a real viable alternative to using a bank, absolutely would primarily be used for money laundering as opposed to what it's primarily used for now, which is buying and selling drugs. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of drugs, you mentioned that uh, some people who come to set are in the best quality of persons. Also people behind the camera. I'm not just talking about talent. Okay. No one is in this business because they're normal and socially well-adjusted. This is the island of misfit toys. And as I frequently say, nobody wants a Charlie in the box. You know, <laughs> I forgot you said that. Nobody wants a Charlie in the box. Oh, can you tell us a story of a, a great example of drug use on set that went terribly wrong? 
Or how prevalent really is it in the industry? Or both. It all depends on if you consider marijuana to actually be a drug. Yeah, skipping no. marijuana. Okay. So skipping marijuana, right now things actually seem to be pretty good. Last year, of all things, heroin seemed to be making a little bit of a comeback. And that was weird. You know, what happens is it's like a pancreas. It's self-cleaning. You know, so people who are having an issue with drugs or with substance abuse problems, they just kind of get washed out of the pancreas because there's no funds there for reshooting. Like we talked about, there's no do overs. Mm. So if I am Mike Quasar, the hardest working man in porn, who is you know, that? He, he is a director who on average probably shoots four scenes a day five days a week and then spends the other two days editing that footage and planning on his next round of shooting five scenes a day or four scenes a day. Wow. And I love Mike and Mike is a great guy, but he has also single-handedly done more to drive down rates in the porn industry than anybody else because he will outbid himself for jobs in his race to the bottom uh, <laughs> without, without even thinking about it, you know, it'll be okay, Mike. So you need 14,000 to do this movie. I can do it for 12. What the fuck would you do that? Shut up. You know? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Shit, I forgot I was bidding against myself, you know. But so if a girl is working for Mike Quasar, who he's in a location where his budget says that he's got $1,200 for this location for the day, he's got to get four scenes in that 12 hours that he's got at that location. So he's not allotting any more than three hours per scene. And this girl shows up an hour late and then he can't shoot her because she's plainly cracked out. And then he's got to send her home and he's got to get a replacement. She ain't going to be around long. Word gets around fast. Good point. And I don't really have a lot of funny drug stories because everybody knows or knew back in the day. Nobody knows who I am anymore because I'm largely I'm pretty much irrelevant now. I mean, I, I shoot camera for people, but I'm not not a director anymore. I don't even you know, whatever. But back in the day, people knew I just wouldn't fucking put up with it. So it didn't happen a lot on my sets. You know, I had the Vivid girls when I would shoot for Vivid would sometimes be a little bit of a problem. But like everybody else who shot Brianna Banks, they would pretty much indulge the fact that Brianna wanted a wine cooler with breakfast and then a wine cooler every hour through the day until she was barely functional. And when Brianna, who I knew didn't drive and I had her trapped on set and makeup, when Brianna at nine o'clock would come to me and go, can somebody run out and get me a wine cooler? I would look at her and say, uh, yeah, as soon as you wrap, I'll send somebody out to get you a wine cooler. But I need it for a wine cooler. Well, that's too fucking bad because it's not going to happen, you know, because I just won't put up with that shit. And, and the, the few stories that I have are not fun. It kind of feels like. They're more sad. Yeah, it kind of feels like kicking a kid with progeria to see if you can crack his legs. It's not fun. It's just mean. But it's like any other entertainment industry, though. There's people who are great. There's people who can handle it. There's people who are a mess. We get a lot of girls who are far too young for the amount of money that they suddenly find themselves making. And there's no, apart from an organization called APAC that is a performer advocacy group that I think actually does some real good work, there's no mechanism in the business to kind of help people cope with the weirdness of being in the business. We used to have those people and they're largely gone now. Unless somebody bumps into Nina Hartley on a set, because God bless her, Nina's still working. And Nina sits some 18 year old down and sort of gives her the facts of life. You know, unless you run into one of the girls who's been around for five or six or seven years who is interested in 
telling you how it is. These girls, you know, suddenly it's like, wow, I just made a thousand dollars a day for the last four days. And my last job, I made a thousand dollars every two weeks because I was working part time at McDonald's. And now I don't know what the fuck to do with this money. It's just not a great situation. Yeah, that's true. Uh, What are the general rates, like the average rates for performers, male and female? The boys are kind of all over the place now, which is sort of both weird and irritating. Um, Why is that? Because most of the guys don't get hired through agents. Most of the guys you still hire directly by just texting them and going, hey, dude, are you available? But also, and I am not saying this to evoke any sympathy because I have none. This business is tough on the male ego because they don't matter. And it's really fun to get men in a situation because this is really the only industry where it exists to get men in a situation where they are the least important commodity. Nobody is buying this movie to see you. They don't care. You're a prop. We want you to show up, not speak, get your dick hard, get it in, get it off and go home. And the less I have to talk to you, the better. You're a piece of human furniture with a penis And that's how I'm going to treat you. And that's what they are in the industry and they know it. And so what happens is you start getting these guys who kind of have a chip on their shoulder because men aren't used to being in that position in the world, in this country. They're what? (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, and it's great because they get stuck in a situation where they're the second class citizens. And you know what? Men can't cope with it. They can't fucking deal. So they start getting bitter and they start getting resentful and they start believing that they're the star of the scene and they start getting really pissed off that girls make more than they do for the same job. I do all the fucking work. So rates kind of start to climb more quickly than they should. So you'll get these guys who've been around for six months and have done a handful of scenes that you hear are great and a handful of scenes where you hear that they failed And they want the same rate as somebody who's been around for nine years and is bulletproof. And it's like, okay, that's great. You've got a big dick. If it doesn't work, it's no good to me. I don't care. Who the fuck do you think you are? So guys are kind of all over the place. I would say average until you start getting into the guys who have huge egos and huge rates is still probably six to $900 for a scene. And then average for girls would be Seven to eight for girl, girl, a thousand for boy, girl, 1200 for anal. So that's basically the rough ballpark. And then theoretically, if a girl's been around for a while and has a half decent agent, her rates start to climb. Now, when you say per scene, so is that for a full day's work or just shooting one scene or doing multiple scenes? It is per sex scene. Okay. And of course, like if you're doing a feature, like I'm, I'm co-producing It's not a feature, but we're doing a series for Erica Lust that's coming up. So we're shooting for 10 days in October for the six-episode series that we're shooting. So as you start doing that math, you realize, well, obviously, I'm not shooting more than one sex scene per day because that math doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm going to bring you back to do another sex scene the next day because I get you all day for that rate. Mm. Right. I get you for all of your dialogue and everything else I need you for, for that sex scene rate for that day. If I bring you in for just a day of dialogue, everyone also usually has a dialogue rate that seems to hover between three fifty and five hundred dollars. Dialogue rate as in voiceover? No, as in all you're doing today is acting. Oh, okay. You're not you're not taking your junk out. Or if you are, you're not doing anything important with it. <laughs> I assume when it comes to the acting, most people get, what, scripts day before? What's a script? 
No. Hey. <laughs> okay. Okay. But you want understand- an award winner, <laughs> sir. Yes, I know. And I have, I don't know how many script awards I have, but it's more than you. So shut up. Uh, uh, I still <laughs> got one. I still did it. Yes. It so long. Did you actually call them and get one with your name on it? No, I didn't know how much I'd have to fight to do that. I'll help you, but you need to do that. Okay. Before next year. Oh, okay. That would be You need great. to call and you need to explain to them. Yeah, I actually wrote the script. Here's the draft. Everyone knows that Axel puts his fucking name on everything. The fact that he booted you to put his son on there is a little bit insulting. Wait, what? It's Axel. Yes, what? Axel Braun. Allison, who, who directed most of Axel's movies? Oh, you did. Okay, thank you. So Axel Braun really likes to put his name on things. Oh, I'm fully aware of that. Yeah. And I, I knew that... Um, Allison Ghost wrote, uh, what was the feature? Uh, um, something no, Mrs. Hyde? She didn't get hired to ghost write it. She got hired to write it. She found out oh. she ghost wrote it when it won the award for screenplay. <laughs> but like he did that with almost all of my scripts. So it's just like. He took your name off? On most of them, yeah. Oh, see, I would have killed him if he took my name off. I knew he was going to put his name on with mine. I would have eviscerated him if he took my name off. So he's on notice. He still hasn't given me my DVDs. You haven't given me my DVDs. I don't we'll have DVDs. What do you want DVDs of? Of my movies. Go buy them. That's what all I'm going to have to do. <laughs> I don't have I them. I wrote them. I should get a copy for free. I agree. Most of the companies aren't even in business anymore. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't even know Vivid had closed. Yes. Yes. When did that is. happen? What year? Uh, well, Wet Work was the last big movie they ever released, and they, they basically gave up before they released it. So they stopped shooting, what was what, 2014, 2013? And so they haven't shot anything since then. We shot a couple of Vivid scenes that were financed by Gamma, but they have nothing to do with Vivid other than Vivid's name is on them. Oh, yeah. There are scripts. There's, there are scripts. There largely are not now. So almost all porn now is, again, from these two companies in Canada. These two companies in Canada do not write scripts. What they do is basically write a long synopsis of a scene because they want the talent to ad-lib everything because they think it seems more natural. And yet there's so few porn stars in L.A. and New York who are doing improv classes. That doesn't help. (laughs) I would like to think. That only helps if you want them to be funny. (laughs) I did once have to explain to a girl on set that she was knowing someone's yes and that that wasn't going to work for the scene. And then I had to explain to her what that meant. (laughs) I don't know what that means. It's improv talk, which means you don't want to know what it means. Oh, okay, perfect. It means if we're doing an improv scene and you've been doing a scene in your kitchen and your scene in your kitchen is about how you're making donuts and, oh my God, I'm making all of these donuts and I have to make these donuts and we've got to hurry because the truck is showing up to make these donuts. And I come in and I tell you that I am now carrying a sack that holds 150 pounds of sugar. Oh, my God, I'm finally here with the sugar so we can finish the donuts. That means that you then cannot say, I don't need sugar, because then you've just stopped. It's a yes and concept. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. So you just knowed my yes if you do that. You have to say, oh, thank God, the sugar. And now you have to incorporate that into what you're doing. And porn people are terrible at that because everybody wants to tell the own story that they have in their head. So you get two people improving and they go, oh, my God. So my mom was at the movie theater. No, she wasn't. I saw her yesterday. She, no, you didn't. She was at the movie theater. Like, shut both of you. Shut the fuck up. Nobody's mom is in this. This one scene doesn't have anybody's stepmom. Yeah, no more scripts. They're gone. They're done. Damn it. 
Yep. So what changes have you seen in the porn industry over the last 20 years? Just a general overview, because I know you have opinions on this. Literally everything has changed. The only thing that has not changed is that we are still nominally filming people having sex. But other than that, and the fact that Ron Jeremy is still alive, everything has changed. Well, can you give us a rundown? Uh, it's okay. a lot, though. It's it's everything from how people are paid to how things are shot to everything. where and the laws, everything. The companies are different. There are no more movies. We're now shooting scenes. The scenes are now largely constructed of somebody's fake relative who they're not actually related to is having sex with their, their child who they're not so actually related to. Why is so much step porn? I have a theory about why there is so much step porn. I have always said this. I believe I coined this phrase. I'm going to claim that I coined it. I may not have, I, but I believe that I did. We'll support you. We'll edit a Wikipedia to say you coined it. Okay. Well, then that'll make it true. Porn leads by following. So some person, and it's always accidental, stumbles onto some kind of success. It's never anybody's plan. It's never anything that somebody set out and said, oh my God, I should try this. This would be a great idea. It's that somebody who was releasing the 37th thing that they did this month, that thing happened to hit and make money. When that happens, every other fucking company in porn will then do nothing but that thing that succeeded until people set fire to the barn, drag them into the street and tar and feather them and put them on a rail and send them out of town. They will stop when they're forced to stop, when it literally makes no more money. Now, in the days of DVD, what this used to mean was when people stopped buying the red light DVDs where every scene was exactly the same. We used to jokingly call it New Girl Same Couch. It was literally all <laughs> shot in the same office. It was the same scene with the same girl and the same two dudes doing the same DP in the same stupid positions. And they shot three of them a day. And until those stopped selling, that is what every fucking company in porn was trying to do. So new sensations had Jackie St. James start doing this new faux stuff. They suddenly remembered that there had been this popular movie called Taboo in the 80s that made a shitload of money. None of them went back and watched Taboo. That'd be work. They just decided, oh, wait, this was a thing. But in the 80s, they actually had a mom and a son actually having sex. Wait, really? Of course they did. Not a real mom and a real. Oh, no, okay. they were fucking actors playing okay, a mother and a son. just making sure. Just oh my God, clarifying. Allison. Oh, my God, Allison. <laughs> Things happened in the 80s. Things happened in the 90s. I have shot scenes with a mother and her actual daughter both doing anal on the same couch. That's a whole other story. With two brothers? No. With their father and brother? You ask for too much. Okay. Oh, that's one way to have sex talk? Uh, no, but but there was a guy. <laughs> no, that is one way to have a sex talk. It is. That was amazing. <laughs> okay, but there was a guy named Jerry. His stage name was just Jerry in the business. Oh, that's good. And his dad, who had left when Jerry was very young, also ended up in the business, and his name was Jay Huntington. And there are many scenes, you can go look them up, of Jay Huntington and Jerry doing a DP. With some girl. That's a real father and son. Okay. Definitely father-son bonding time. I mean. Yeah, they never really got along that well, but they would work together. <laughs> they didn't care. Their theme song was Cats in the Cradle. Oh, they were also Hungarian. They didn't give a shit. Okay, never mind. So the faux thing, 
So they were they were too afraid to do anything with real incest. And then it became this myth in the industry that, oh, that's illegal. You can't shoot that. Like, no, fuck you. As long as everybody is over 18 and walks on two legs, you can shoot anything you want. Literally anything that a prosecutor can get 12 mongoloids to say is obscene is obscene. It could be a children's book. There's no rules on what you can and cannot do. So this company decided they weren't going to do that. But they did this faux stuff because it was as close as they were comfortable doing. And it sold fairly well. So everybody overnight started doing the same thing because it was this act of desperation of, oh, my God, the faux stuff is selling. We're going to do the faux stuff. Now, here's the problem in the modern data-driven world of porn. Answer this question for me. If you are hungry and have no access to food other than a grocery store, and you go to the grocery store, and the only food for sale there is Frankenberry, what are you going to buy? Frankenberry. So me, as the person who owns the store, looking at those statistics, seeing that, holy shit, Frankenberry is doing amazing. What do I need to stock more of? Frankenberry. That is what has happened in modern porn. These companies licensed and then started creating all of this faux shit because at one point it had been popular. And then they see, oh, the faux shit still is really popular and people keep clicking on it. How do we fix this? I don't know what the solution is. I have tried explaining this to the data-driven people who are looking at all of the clicks and deciding that that is all that matters and they don't get it. I've tried to explain to them that until you start trying other things, there is no room in the market for anything other than what you are providing. And they don't understand that because, again, this is porn, not the best and brightest. Listeners, if you know someone who's a decision maker in the porn industry who won't stop making incest porn, please email us, info at two girls on mic. We'll have an intervention. We'll bring snacks. Wouldn't it be great? So... Eli, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, so first off, we have some patrons to thank. Stranger in a Strange Land, Ken Aubrey, Howard Lee, Bethany Nicole, Chris D., Rich, Michael Gad, Maurice Strubel, Kyle Washington, Logan Waterman, Dale Stringham, Craig Elliott, Kevin Bounty, and many, many others. And if you want to become a patron as well, just hop on over to patreon.com slash twogirlswinmike. Eli, where can our listeners find more of you and or your work? Uh, in the past. <laughs> In in days oh, past. Oh, all, you sound so old. I am old. All that I do so now. Old. All I do now is shoot camera. I don't even think you can search my name on Adult Time. You won't find anything. The movies that I made that made tons of awards are no longer available, so you can't really find those anywhere. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That was really depressing. Just uh, just you know, keep watching porn and assume if you like it, assume that I might have shot it because it may be true. Who knows? Allison, where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me at thatmcknight.com or on Twitter at thatmcknight.com. It's pretty easy. Guys, you can find me at Rational Blonde on Twitter, but you guys can also listen to me next week. So thanks for tuning in and we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.